Hello and welcome to another episode of Retrospection, and this one we're going underground with the cult American TV series Beauty and the Beast, the original, that ran from 1987 to 1990. My name's Colin, and I've never regretted what I am, until now. <laughs> yeah, never was a truer word spoken, eh? And my name's Paul, and you should always know what's coming up behind you. You Sometimes you don't care though, right? Well, it depends on the situation, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. IMDB describes the show as being about the adventures and romance of a sensitive and cultured lion man and a crusading district attorney in Manhattan, New York City. J just in case you're confused with Manhattan the drink. <laughs> and there's nothing like giving away uh, Vincent's whole persona, is there? Lion man. I never thought about that, but yeah, yeah. yeah that's right, it does. <laughs> Especially as they take great pains in the episode to hide it until a certain point. Yeah, there's, there's something I'm going to mention about that, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get there. Okay. The pilot episode is called Once Upon a Time in New York City. It stars Ron Perlman as Vincent, Roy Dotrice as Jacob Fervor Wells, Linda Hamilton as Assistant District Attorney Catherine Chandler, and Ray Wise as Tom. Although she's not the assistant district attorney at this point, I should point that out in the pilot. No, she's uh, she's just a trainee or something like that, isn't she? A new recruit. Well, yeah, let's talk. We'll talk about that. <laughs> the, epi <laughs> the episode is directed by Richard Franklin, who's better known for FX2 and Beastmaster, the TV series. Well, I think I know what I would put at the top of my resume. Beastmaster, the TV series. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, yeah, Beastmaster TV series. Yeah. Favourite? Not really. I've, 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 I've stumbled across it at many a late night, but uh, never stayed. I was surprised to discover that George R. R. Martin actually was a writer and producer on the show. I mean, quite frankly, they're lucky any episodes were finished. <laughs> I think he was on book one or book two of his... Uh, Epic at this point. A song of ice and fire. That'll be the one. Yeah, he was um, a staff writer on all three seasons. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, and apparently he um, he felt that the reason why he got cancelled was down to the fact that uh, Linda Hamilton decided to leave in season three. Well, I mean, do we want to discuss that huge plot spoiler for this whole show and the fact that they... Didn't they kill her off and then it was just the Beast? Well, she she and the Beast finally um, get it on. Mm. <laughs> You're going to cut the song in there. <laughs> <I> mean... uh, <laughs> and um, she has a baby and then um, the baby is stolen by an evil villain. Oh, I thought you said stoned. No, stoned. No, stolen. She's, he's stolen by oh. an evil villain, and then she dies, and then season three is basically him looking for his kid. So it basically changes the whole dynamic of the show, season three. Yeah, that's always a bad idea. How many times have we seen that happen? In, in all fairness to Beauty and the Beast, though, they, it, they, they handle it quite well. Um, because it, Oh, so you, you don't mind the change and you enjoyed... I'd like it for lots of different reasons. I think that season three gives it new life in a lot of ways because it isn't about 
it, it isn't about a relationship anymore between the two main characters. It it it's it becomes wider. It opens it up more, and um, all bets are off in season three because characters die, and it's also a precursor to what we know modern TV to be like. It, it's kind of long form storytelling where it isn't. It, the first right. the first two seasons are kind of very self contained, episodic stories. Where season three is is more of a, a long form um, narrative that that stretches all the way through the season. And that was quite new at that point in nineteen ninety, I think. I think having you having said that, we should point out that back in nineteen eighty seven, you were pretty much obsessed with this show. Well, it was. Probably my first dipping of the toe into fandom was Beauty and the Beast. I, I'm, Star Trek was the, was the other thing, and I'm a massive Star Trek fan, as you know, but, but I got into the fandom of Beauty and the Beast before I got into Star Trek fandom, and I was involved in the Helpers Network, which was the big fan organisation in the UK at the time, and I had... Oh, don't don't roll your eyes at me. I had um, I had stories published in in fanzines at the time, and and I used to know quite a lot of the people that were involved in it. And um, so yeah, I, everything up front. This this show has quite a big sentimental value value to me. So. Right, right. Because people, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but back in eighty seven, you were a thirteen year old girl. I've changed a lot. Busy scribbling. Terrible poems in your jota whilst drawing hearts in the margin and big circles and the letter I. Because that let's be honest, this is the audience this show was aimed at, right? Not saying I necessarily agree with you or disagree with you, Colin. <laughs> I mean men didn't really enjoy oh, this. Men. It's like when men used to pretend it's like when men used to pretend to like Morrissey just to win over the affections of a girl. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to do that anymore. Turned out I was right. He's a knobhead. <laughs> kind of like Morrissey. Yeah. Yep. Not surprised. No, no, hang on. No. Hang on. I'll. I'll. Uh, let me. Let me. Let me elaborate. I like old Morrissey. I don't like new Morrissey. <laughs> let me just. Well, he's he's old now. You mean you like young Morrissey, not old Morrissey? Isn't that what I said? No, you said you like old no, Morrissey, I... meaning time-wise. Oh, but right. now he's old. No, you're confusing me. <laughs> Am I? Uh, do you know why? Because you like Morrissey. <laughs> oh, is that it? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so this this is like an important show for you, then. It is. Yes. It's got a lot of and, uh, a, a lot of um, backstory for me. This show. And explain why you used to force videos of it <laughs> on me. Well, I, I think force is a strong word, Colin. I don't think I forced them on you, did I? Every week you bring one round, I toss them aside and say, yeah, I'll watch it. Never did. I, I don't believe you didn't watch them. In fact, we had conversations about the episodes. Oh, was it? Oh, I was probably lying then. Must have been. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if I watched it or not. I'm, I'm sure I must have watched some. Well, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll get to your uh, opinion of this show. Maybe it's changed. Yeah, maybe I've matured. Well, we can but hope. That's unlikely. <laughs> Do you have any uh, notes and information about the show? Uh, we pretty much covered everything, really. That I that I that I was going to say, other than the fact that um, the makeup that Ron Perlman wears was um, created by Rick Baker, 
Mm, okay. And it took apparently four hours to apply each episode. That must have been a pain in the ass. Yeah, you would have to like turn up at 5 a.m. or oh, something. It's the worst thing. Yeah. The worst thing I can imagine. <laughs> the worst thing I can imagine is sitting in a in a chair, chair for four hours. Makeup applied oh, for fa- God, four really. hours. Yeah. The thing is, though, it, I, I mean, I've, I've never had that done, but I imagine it's very claustrophobic. I mean, there are worse ones to have, like the guy in Red Dwarf, Crichton in Red Dwarf, like he has hours of makeup, but it must be so claustrophobic. Yeah, because you're kind of locked into your own self, aren't you, for, for those hours? Oh, you're normally locked into your own <laughs> self, aren't you? It's all about you, Paul. <laughs> I walked into that one, didn't I? Um, and before we get into what you actually think of this show, I just want to point out that the pilot episode won three Emmy Awards. All right. Now, if I know, if I, if I known you were going to say that, I would have looked up things that other things that have won Emmy Awards <laughs> just to prove I, that that means nothing. I know, but you didn't. So there you go. Um, it, it won, no, uh, it no. won an award for outstanding direction, outstanding cinematography and outstanding music composition. Oh, one of those I have an issue with. Could it be the music? Two of those. I, yeah, yeah. Two of those I'm fine with. The photography, the cinematography, fine. Not got a problem. The music. Oh. <laughs> All right. Okay, this could be yeah. interesting then. Oh. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into the episode then. We hear birds twittering and there's a shot of a tree. The words once upon a time appear in a gothic font. We pull out to reveal that we're in New York. The text on the screen confirms this, and the soft sounds of the wildlife are replaced by the angry noises of a massive metropolis. We're on Perk Avenue. Bartholomew's church is on the left, and we're looking towards the MetLife building. (laughs) The title, Beauty and the Beast, appears. A cab pulls up, and Assistant District Attorney Catherine Chandler gets out. Ah, she's not not Assistant District Attorney. That's right, she's just a lawyer, right? She's just a lawyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was just... You're jumping ahead of yourself there, Colin. I know, right? I was just using what IMDB called her. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I should say as well that we don't get the usual credits from the series because it's a pilot. We, we normally get a voiceover from Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. Oh, lovely. It is lovely. Yeah. But what does it say? But unfortunately, you don't want me to do it, do you? Do you know it? This is where the wealthy... <laughs> Wait, 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 hold on. You haven't written this down, you just know this. I do know this, yes. I'm a, I, 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 I won't do it. it no. it's, like, it's like sometimes I think my opinion of you couldn't get any lower and then you pull something out of the bag. This is where the wealthy and the powerful rule. It is her world. I, I won't do it anymore. Do, no, if you know it, do it all. Go for it. Oh no 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 no! Because I'm 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 just gonna get ridiculed for it, so I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction, Colin. <laughs> I am, I am sitting here in awe that you remember this. This is where the wealthy and the powerful rule. It is her world, a world apart from mine. Her name is Catherine. I knew then, 
as I know now, she would change my life forever. He comes from a secret place, far below the city streets, hiding his face from strangers, safe from hate and harm. He brought me there to save my life. And now, wherever I go, he is with me in spirit. For we have a bond stronger than friendship or love. And although we cannot be together, we will never, ever be apart. She greets reception with a morning, but her greeting is returned with a none anymore. So, it's after lunchtime. I see why you like her, Paul. She has your work ethic. <laughs> this is how work should be. You know, you roll out of bed mid-afternoon, work for about three hours, and then head back home. It's a perfect day as far as I'm concerned. In, in theory, in our COVID times, they roll out of bed and I'm at work. <laughs> Do you even put pants on, Colin? Uh, let's move up. on from that. Don't stand up. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Don't stand up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, throughout this, the credits continue. They're a little distracting in the red and white gothic style. No, I like the gothic style. You Gives mean, it a, a, a fairy tale kind of atmosphere. And that's what they're going for, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As she makes her way to the office, we get a lot of lawyer office speak from, you know, thrown at her from people, stuff like, don't forget the settlement conference at 3 p.m. She enters the office of an older guy who's on the phone. Hi, Dad, she says. Ah, so she works here because uh, her dad got her the job. And that's why she can roll in late. She must be popular in the office. I think it's, I, I, I get what you're saying. And that is exactly what they're going for with the character, isn't it? Which is why she kind of gets, she looks for redemption later, I think, in in the episode and, and in the series. But um, do you think that people are nicer just because she is the... Uh, yeah, yeah. The daughter of the, yeah, yeah. Also, her character is aware of her position and she's not happy in her job, which mm -hmm. makes the redemption not as strong. If she was, like, happy in her position and didn't care that her dad got her job and she really enjoyed where she was, wouldn't that make her redemption stronger? It would, but I don't necessarily agree with you on that. I think I think what they're going for is that She's kind of in a rut. She's happy. She know she knows she, she's not happy, but she's happy to just let it continue the way it is. Right. I just realized I can't say anything about this show because you've just watched it so many times and love it so much that no matter what I say, you're gonna like sit there and go, Well Well, this is this is the first time where we've actually sat down and I can actually counterpoint what you're trying to do yeah because <laughs> so... i have no i have no knowledge of the show because i never watched it I, I can only tell you from my perspective of what i think yeah this is gonna be interesting that i know i know you're gonna get irritated very quickly aren't you already there mate <laughs> <laughs> to be honest though i was there when you said hello <laughs> That's just a given, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's normal standard operating yeah. procedure, isn't I, it? <laughs> I know, I know how it works, yes. <laughs> he tells her that Al Schuitz is coming up from Atlanta tonight and wants her to have dinner with them, but she has other plans. 
Tom is having a party for the architects of a new project. I mean, apparently it's got no name. It's just a new project. That's all you need to know. Yeah, okay. Her dad complains that he used to be invited to all these functions. He says he should have fought twice before handing her over to their best client. You make it sound like a horse trade, she replies. What about tomorrow night? Her dad asks. She says she has to check her calendar. She's so busy that she doesn't know what she's doing tomorrow night. I kind of read it that she's just kind of brushing it off. Ah, she's avoiding it. She doesn't really care, really, one way or the other, I don't think. Right, okay. The actor playing Tom is uh, Ray Wise, who pops up in a lot of other things, from Robocop to Mad Men. Um, But he's probably best known as the character of Leyland Palmer, or Leland Palmer, father of Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks. It generally plays, and I can't say this any politer, assholes. He does. He specialises in assholes, yes. I wonder if that gets to you as an actor. I don't know. I mean, I suppose it, it, if you're a good actor, then it just you just brush it off, don't you? I don't know. It's like, oh, I got this role. Is it an asshole? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, you mean... You mean maybe it gets to you that you on, if you only get offered arsehole. Yeah, you only maybe. get arsehole roles. <laughs> you never get like nice guy roles or leading characters yeah. or positive people. It's just always arseholes. I suppose that's that's the definition of being stereotyped, isn't it? It's just constantly thought of being an arsehole. What's that like, Paul? Oh, is that what you're building up to? <laughs> no, uh... It was. It wasn't. I just thought of that then. <laughs> I'll let you know, Paul. All right. All right. Her dad realizes that she's just coming into work and she says, mm-hmm. oh, she had a late night and uh, some errands to run in the morning. So she didn't. Really? She didn't. She didn't. She just couldn't be bothered. She, right? she just got out of bed about an hour before she had to go to work, probably. Because she doesn't want to be there. Probably, yeah. All right. He asks her if she's not finding her work stimulating. As she says, stimulating is not the word she would use for corporate law. But you're a good corporate lawyer. No, she says, I'm the daughter of a good corporate lawyer. So she she understands her position then. She understands what she is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense later, I think. I think that maybe she's always wanted to change, but has never had the, the, the push to do it. And what happens to her in the episode gives her that push. I can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we cut to a party with a, let's be honest, a bunch of suited bars. <laughs> They're looking at an ice sculpture of what I guess this new building will look like. And Tom is describing it to them. Catherine is listening to a friend moan about her life. Catherine says she's sorry and hopes things will turn around for her. But she has that same dead look behind her eyes that I have when Paul starts talking about Marvel. You're going to change that to Beauty and the Beast soon, aren't you? Yeah, <laughs> about 10 <laughs> minutes' time. Yeah, in about 10 minutes' time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tom comes over. It's revealed that Catherine hasn't seen Eve since college and they were just catching up. That's, that's a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? You're at a party and an old college friend that you haven't seen in ages turns up i think it's a it's a tv conceit isn't it, it happens a lot in tv 
TV shows when you're you're trying to get a short a shortcut to something, particularly in eighties shows. Okay, I realise this is also the other thing we're going to be doing. We're going to be excusing things. Oh no, no, lazy, I'm not. Lazy, I'm, we're going to be excusing lazy script writing I'm as not, some kind I'm, of genius. No, I'm not okay. excusing it. All what right. I'm what I'm saying is that that it was kind of something that particularly happened a lot in '80s TV shows. Mm-hmm. From everything mm-hmm. that we like, things like Knight Rider used to do this kind of thing all the time as well. You know, how many episodes of TV shows will we have a uh, a, a main character bump into someone that they knew 20 years ago or 10 years ago who would turn out to be something that was important to the to the episode yeah yeah all right gloves are off oh dear <laughs> he's getting he's getting <laughs> serious now <laughs> tom says he has to talk to Catherine and takes her away he complains that Catherine has been sitting there listening to eve blathering on all night. And Catherine says Eve is going through a lot. Tom is less than sympathetic. He knows Eve. Ah, she's a lush. And I should point out he means she drinks, not that she provides great sensory pleasure. <laughs> her husband is a lush. Her grandfather was a lush. Her great grandfather was a lush. In fact, the whole family were lushes. He doesn't say that, but that's what you get from his. He's got your tact. He's got he's got your uh, tact and sympathy, Colin, hasn't he? I'm I'm very sympathetic. Are you? I don't see any of it. Well, no, because you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just me, is it? All right, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you. You be, what, you... what I do, I, what I do is I'm sympathetic and caring and gentle to the whole world. But there has to be a point where I just like unleash everything, and that's you. That's your role. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad that you've spelled it out for me, Colin. You know, because I often wondered. I, Tom describes Eve as a complete loser. He's, okay, Tom, don't hold back. Although, let's be honest, Eve sounds like a lot of more fun to be with than Tom. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, just the fact that she's a lush. Oh, yeah, yeah, you'd like that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hang on, what? (laughs) (laughs) I just meant that she had a great personality. I don't know what you were talking about. Oh, okay. Do you want me to explain it to you? No, no. No. Apparently, Catherine agrees with me because Tom wants to introduce her to people, and Catherine, she doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. Tom says he thought he could count on her, but she points out that this isn't brain surgery, it's just a party. Tom is getting annoyed. He says he doesn't have time for this. Hmm. Guess it's an independent woman making her own decisions. He's got a shot coming to him. <laughs> yeah, about 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Catherine says she doesn't like to be told who she can talk to. And Tom, thinking that he's got an ace, a zinger, right up his sleeve, says... Show better judgment then. Fine, says Catherine. I'm calling it a night. She's a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Mm, yep, she is. Tom tells her, no, that's not an option. But she continues. She says goodbye to Eve, grabs a coat, and she does leave. And in the street, she yells for a taxi, but they ignore her. Then a stranger says he can catch one for her. But a van pulls up. He grabs her and says, are you going home alone tonight, Carol? Actually, doesn't say it like that. I was actually better than what he does say it. <laughs> what 
what were you going for there? Pirates of the Caribbean or something? Oh, I like. Oh, you. Ins- oh, you didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't you say didn't it didn't was good. Like it. I just said that I, I, it was interesting. The choices that you made. Yes. Oh, okay. He grabs her and says, "Are you going home below tonight, Carol?" Yeah, no, that is better? scary, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, Are you going home alone oh. tonight? That's right in my ear as well. I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, like I don't it. No. Are you going home alone tonight, Carol? He pushes her into the van. He keeps calling her Carol. And she tries to tell him that's not her name. But he tells her to shut up. He pulls a knife out every time you look into the mirror. Now, don't you think at this point, um, I've got to say, but talk, let's talk about the direction. Um, don't you think it's shot very, it looks very cinematic for a TV pilot? Yeah, I, I think this is a show, I, of course, I don't see mm-hmm. later episodes, but this is a show that would probably look good on Blu-ray and done properly in yeah. 4K. I think... I think it, it looks nice. Definitely this, does. The, the pilot, and I'll, I, I was going to, I'll mention it in a moment when we get to the to the underground stuff. Um, the pilot looks better than the rest of the series, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Oh, all right. We cut to a shot of the van bathed in mist, and they throw her out of it, and she's unconscious and rolls to a stop mm-hmm. in the moody, misty magic light we see a figure approach he or she don't know at this point picks up Catherine and then we see an ornate massive spiral staircase leading down into the depths of the ground not really sure how there's all this space underground but okay ah well some of these shots for example I'm going to put my uh, (laughs) knowledge out on there (laughs) Some of these shots, for example, of Vincent walking down the spiral staircase aren't actually matte paintings, but are actually real locations underground in New York City. That spiral staircase does exist in New York does City. Does it really? It does. That is Whoa. a fact. I don't know exactly where. I'm sure you could look it up. And I didn't, but... Oh, all right. Thanks. It does. Apparently, there, there are underground... I think the size has been exaggerated. Somewhat. Oh yeah, I'm not saying it hasn't. I'm not saying it hasn't. But what I'm saying is that they they used a lot of um, actual locations, but particularly in the pilot, not so much maybe in the series, because a lot of these shots get reused in the series. Right, it's like the Battlestar Galactica. It it is, it is, it is. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is I do like the color palette change from the world above to the world below. Whereas you know it, it's very, it's very dry and stark when she's you know it's very it's very industrial looking, and then when they get to the world below, it's all very deep. It's very it's very it's very um, orange. Um, orange, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know it's you, you know what I'm trying to say. It's 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 a, it's a deeper palette. Yes, yes. I mean they're obviously trying for something. Yes, they definitely are trying for something. <laughs> I'm trying to. Wo- I'm trying for words. <laughs> That's what I'm trying for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Mate. It's a pity. It's a you know, it's a podcast, and those are kind of important. I know, I know, I know, I know. 
Tell you what, write an essay. I might well do. Great. Mm -hmm. I won't read it. (laughs) Catherine wakes up, her face is bandaged, her eyes are covered up. She starts to panic. A voice tells her that she's safe. Is this a hospital? She asks. No. But you're going to be all right. That's not the answer you want to hear, is it? No, and I'm not sure that those bandages are sterile, are you? I mean, they don't look the cleanest bandages you've ever seen in your life, do they? No, that's true. Where where they get that from? I mean, there's brown stains all over them. Oh. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, we used them for lagging the pipes. <laughs> we just peeled them off, put them on your face. You'll be all right. What, what do you think about um, Ron Perlman's voice in this? I mean, his choice, because he doesn't talk like that normally, Ron Perlman. We've seen him in lots of things. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a really interesting choice that he makes for the voice. It's kind of, um, it's gentle, but it's also got a, um, there's something else underneath it, kind of a, an animal sort of power as well. I don't raise your eyebrow at me. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> yeah. It's a good voice that he chooses. Yeah, it's it. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll give a shit. <laughs> hey, what am I, I? I'm trying to bring something to this, so <laughs> I know you are. Just... Work with me here. <laughs> no, I generally don't see any of this. I just, I don't. It's because you can It's because you're dead inside. <laughs> It's not. It's not that I'm telling you that. I just don't give a fuck about the show. I I generally don't see any of that. No, that's fine. Or hear it. That's fine. Yeah. But maybe it's also because I don't. I don't actually know what other than Hellboy. I don't know what Ron Perlman sounds like, and I don't have any connection to the show. So it yeah. It it just means nothing to me. I, I completely get that, but um, he doesn't sound anything like Vincent at all. Right. He tells her to rest. Two figures watch over her. One tells the other that he should be alerted if her temperature rises. We dissolve cut to her on the bed. She asks, who is there? The man says his name is Vincent. He reveals that they treated her injuries and that she has broken ribs and must remain still. She tells him her name and tells her to rest and that he will be close by. Don't be afraid, he says. Vincent leaves the room and enters a library. An older man known as Jacob or simply as Father. Yeah. yeah. This library sets this library set's fantastic to look at, isn't it? I think all the sets of the underground world are, are really well realized. Yeah, the production design is nice, but where did he get these books from, Paul? They just find them, don't they? Find them? Yeah. Just laying around. Steal them, you mean? (laughs) No, no, they don't steal things. You find out in later episodes that they have helpers who give them things from from the world above. Right, right. So they have lights underground, right? They do, yeah. Who's paying for this electricity? They're feeding off the city. Oh, they're, they're leeching from the city. <laughs> they are leeching from the city, technically, yes. Okay. That is what's going uh, on. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like gas, la- it's actual electricity. Oh, yes, it's, it's, it's electricity, yes. Okay, yes. okay. Because yeah. those books are, 
you know, very flammable for a tunnel. Uh, yes, and I think that comes into play at some point in, in a future episode. Oh, it does? Yes, it does, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. It almost, it almost writes itself, Colin, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. 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 So Fava asks if she is awake. And, but he's annoyed that Vincent has brought somebody down there. You've broken our most important rule. Always look before throwing your effluent down the spiral staircase. But no, that's not the main rule. It should be one of the main rules. It's my main rule. Do you have a spiral staircase? No, so I'm never throwing effluent down it. But escalators and normal staircases, oh, doesn't matter. Remind me not to walk behind you. Well, in front of me, because I'm throwing it. Not throwing it behind me, Paul, throwing it down the staircase. Yeah, but I'd be, yeah, if you're throwing it down the staircase, it'd be worse to be behind you, wouldn't it? I, nope, collect it first, then I'm on the staircase. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no win in any of this, really, is there? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think you're thinking it through correctly. It's probably best just not to be there, I think. <laughs> yeah, that would be the answer, yes. Yes, I'll go with that one, yes. Roy Dutrice was um, one of those fantastic British actors who always brought a class to everything that he was in. What else was he in? And you know, the the only reason I ask that is because I don't, I don't, I can't remember him like who he is or what he's been in. Well, he was in um, something that we covered a long, long time ago. He was in Space Nineteen Ninety Nine. Oh, he's the uh, annoying like uh, official. Political diplomat person, official. Yeah, right. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's coming back now. Yes. And he's been in multiple um, TV shows and movies. And his daughter is actually um, famous for being Frank Spencer's wife, Michelle Dutrice. Oh. But he was... Um, I, I do think that his performance in this is, is one of the three things that holds the whole thing together. You've got Linda Hamilton, Ron Perlman, and you've got Roger Dutrice. They are the, the, the three constants that keep the whole thing together, I think. They're all the actors in it, aren't they? Well, there are. You know, Adrian Paul from Highlander was in an episode of Beauty and the Beast. You know? Oh, dear. Vincent says there was no other way. Jacob goes on to remind Vincent what would happen if anybody above ground got hold of him. They'd kill him, or worse, put him behind bars, and you wish you were dead. Sounds like a Friday shift in a... 1990s Wigan nightclub being behind those bars would make me wish I was dead. <laughs> yeah, damn right, yeah. It, I, I, I often wished I was dead being on the other side of the bar, to be honest with you. Did, did you? <laughs> I'm here. God knows why I'm here, but I'm here. <laughs> That's what I used to think. Yeah. Vincent says he couldn't leave her there. Jacob hands over some pills. But he's still not happy. And he says, as soon as Catherine regains her strength, she must leave. But Jacob says to Vincent that you have the soul of a doctor. In my day, medical school wouldn't even admit minorities. I wonder what they would have done with you. And I should point out at this point, we haven't seen Vincent's face. Mm -hmm. Just his long, luscious locks. Yes, yeah. I'll, go, I'll, I'll say something about those locks in a moment. <laughs> but um, it's a good build-up, isn't it? Yes, they they hide the character well. Mm -hmm. You don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, I I, I do remember. I mean, you know, he... I do remember at the time though um, when this was first aired on ITV in the UK, they cut to an advert. And do you remember in those days when they used to have um, 
cards on the screen to to advertise the whatever show that they were cutting to. <laughs> it, yeah. they, they cut to the first advert before the big reveal, and it cut to a big picture of Vincent's face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say that this was before the internet, so you could keep this thing secret. But yeah, clearly not. Apparently, <laughs> not if you not if you were watching ITV or Granada at the time, well, as it was. Yeah, right. Yeah, we cut to Vincent feeding Catherine soup. She asks where they are. She can hear an elevated train and wonders if they're in Queens. But Vincent says no, not Queens, nor Brooklyn. She wants to know where they are, but Vincent says he has to keep it a secret because a lot of good people depend on it. And she says, I'll keep your secret. And it's revealed that the constant tapping sound she can hear is people sending messages to each other. And as Catherine and Vincent are talking, the camera pans across the ephemera and objects that the place appears to be filled with. Stolen. Yeah, stolen, yes. <laughs> it is a gorgeous design, though, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the shot... Don't, don't know why, why did he need all this stuff, though? Well, he, you could say that Vincent's collecting stuff from the world above because he's never going to be a part of it and he wants to feel a part of it. Well, he needs to get some organizational skills. Oh, I, I, I was playing with your OCD this, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's all over the it, show. It is, yeah. I mean, we've got old radios, books, discarded model of the Statue of Liberty. It's, uh, it's a bit of a mess. You know what? He needs to really marry Kondo this place. <laughs> Trust me, pal. The inn people will get it. All right. Vincent tells her that they are below the city that there's whole chambers and tunnels that most people don't know exist. Because mm-hmm. mm, they don't. A forgotten place. <laughs> but it's warm and safe, and we have all the room we need. It's our city. She asks him why he is down there. Because, remember, she's eyes are bandaged, so she's not That's seeing right, him at yeah. this point. Yeah. And neither of us as an mm-hmm. audience. He reveals that he was a Abandoned as a baby, left to die. A man found him and raised him and named him Vincent because he was found near St. Vincent's Hospital. So now we cut to Catherine's father and and Tom and they're angry with the police because somebody has leaked Catherine's disappearance to the newspapers and the police have no leads, so they've been looking for her apparently. Back underground, Catherine gets out of bed but her eyes are still bandaged and she bangs around the room but she senses Vincent. You can come in. I'll read to you. We can finish Great Expectations. <laughs> oh, wonderful, she says. No, she doesn't. <laughs> uh, why is it when you do Vincent's lines, it, it suddenly seems really sinister? I don't... <laughs> oh, is it? Hold on, Leslie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. <clears throat> I'll read to you. That's worse. I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's sinister. <laughs> we, we can finish. Great expectations. Well, that would have been a choice if uh, Ron Perlman has uh, done it that way. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it would have made three seasons, but you know, it would have been interesting. I'll read to you. I'll read to you. We could finish, Mister Messi. My favourite Mister Man, because look at the shit that's surrounded by. <laughs> 
I suppose this is as good a point as any to, to bring it up. What do you think about um, the makeup, Vincent's makeup? Oh, actually, no, this isn't the great place to bring it up because we haven't seen it yet, have we? We'll see it. We'll see no, it in a minute. No, it's, the, it's in fact, it's the worst yes. place to bring yes. it up. We'll do it in a minute. All right. All right. She says she's frightened, and Vincent knows this. He offers to get some tea. So so far, he's like, "Oh, we'll finish this book, and I'll get you some tea." Never mind that you're bandaged; you can't see. He's very British, actually. Really. Yeah, yeah, when you think mm, about mm. it, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Calm down. Mm. Get yeah. you some tea. Now, during all these scenes between Vincent and Catherine, there's this soundtrack that is so twee and it desperately screaming at you, ah, this is romantic. It's not a creepy guy keeping a woman blinded and underground. <laughs> it's romantic. It, uh, and it's constant. It, it, it didn't really affect me in that way. Oh, it never stops. In fact, at some point, all I can hear is the music, and I'm like, what is just, what is the orchestra please stop playing? Do you think it felt twee back in 1985? Uh, that's a genuine question. That's not me being difficult. I just, if you think about TV. Mm, at, I can't really at, say. At, at the time. I mean, TV at the time in 1985 probably signposted everything, didn't it? I mean, we've covered enough of it at this point. Yeah, there was more use of yeah. music to create yeah. emotion than yeah. there is now. So do you think it was just them being, doing what was standard? Yeah, mm -hmm. it could be, yeah. In which case, don't you yeah. think we need to cut it a little bit more slack for that? No, because it's fucking <laughs> annoying. <laughs> All right, I tried. I tried, everyone. Didn't work. <laughs> you did, you did. I can see where you're going. Right. And I'm not accepting okay. it. Right. It's annoying. Okay. We cut to Vincent giving directions to a kid so we can go to Chinatown to get some of the mm -hmm. tea that he mentioned. Not not sure why he has to go to Chinatown. The local store probably sells <laughs> equally as good tea. I mean, our show has to be so specific, but all right. Ah, but we do, we do, we do find out in subsequent episodes that they have helpers in Chinatown. Right. Just, just saying. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Not important to this episode as it's not, other, it's other, not. other I, podcasts I agree. you've mentioned. I agree. What other podcasts? Oh, you other podcast you've you've been like, oh, oh, but I haven't seen those episodes, so we can't talk about that. But for some reason, for this one, it's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> oh, have I done that? Really? Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't when it's, that. when it's been shows that I've known more about over episodes. Oh, so you've got upset about the, 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 what, but when, what we're but when it's you who's on the other foot now. Is that what we're saying? No, I'm saying that it's acceptable to talk about other episodes when it's you that knows about them, but not when it's me that knows about them. <laughs> I, I've never contradicted you. Not contradicted, but pointed out that there's other stuff. Well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? Mm. Now you're just doing the same thing. I'm playing you. Playing, I, I you're playing me. Have we got the scripts mixed up? I think we might have, yeah. Oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Work ethic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm on I'm on now. I've got the right ones. Okay. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, Catherine has taken her bandages off and sees multiple scars across her face in the reflection at the bottom of a broken reflective bowl. Then a hideous beast appears behind her. 
My note says Paul, you're in this. I don't know why that's. <laughs> that's a cheap. That's a cheap one. It's horrible, right? Yeah, one, I don't know why I wrote yeah. that. Yeah, I must have been bought. I, I must have thought there's not a lot of stuff I've written at this point. I need to throw something in there. <laughs> there's not many gags. No, no, no. <laughs> she screams and throws the bowl at his head. Vincent doesn't know what to do. You wouldn't really, would you? Just had an object chucked at your face. Yeah, yeah, he, he kind of he has this look on his face, doesn't he? That he's like, "Oh, all right, I'll I'll go then, shall I?" Yeah, yeah. Is that what you do? He's like, she's seen me. She now knows what I look like, and she's thrown an object at me. I don't know. It's never happened to me. No, it's not. Hmm. You don't usually reveal your face because of the balaclava. <laughs> <laughs> Got balaclava. It's a hood, Colin. It's a hood. Oh, it's a hood. Uh, yeah, oh, a big white pointy one. That's the. You're gonna get me in trouble. Um, yeah. So this is probably the best point to 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 talk about this. So Ron Perlman's makeup. Um, I think it's actually fantastic. I think that um, it's it, it's so expressive with what he can do with it, considering um, you know the time that it was 1985. I think that, and, and it's a TV budget as well. He, he does so much with it. And I think that, I mean, I've watched a lot of Ron Perlman stuff and he's well known for working with prosthetics. Mm-hmm. And he, he is one of the best prosthetic actors out there, I think. But particularly in, in Beauty and the Beast, I think he's, he's phenomenal behind this makeup. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little, a little liony. But that's what they were going for, isn't it? I, I I do have an issue with the wig. I think that the wig is a little bit Motley Crue. But 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 why does he look like a lion? Ah, well, who knows? Maybe he was crossbred with a you know genetics with a with an animal or something. That's what I like about it. Is I like that we never find out. Well, no, because they can't explain it. Ah, well, you yeah. That's the mistake that the, the 2012 remake tried to do. He just has a scar on his face, doesn't he? He does. Have, he, yes, he doesn't. He doesn't look. <laughs> he doesn't look like a beast at all. In fact, no, he has. He looks perfectly normal until he beasts out, as they call it in the show. And then he gets like a little bit of a ridge on his nose. And... Oh, he manimals? He manimals a little bit. Not too much, because we don't want to. That's right. We don't no, want to risk not, the good look to the him actor. Look ugly. No, no, no. Um, but they do have a whole backstory where I think it's something to do with he's a, a, a an experiment that the military tried tried to do and it got out of hand or something or other. They they do they they give him a backstory and explain it. And I, but I I prefer the fact that we we never really find out where Vincent comes from or or, or why he is the way he is in this show. Yeah, because the writers went, I can't explain this. Don't, don't bother. Don't bother. Just it, move yeah, on. I'm not saying that that isn't it, but don't you think it's better that we don't know? Yeah, because you can't explain it. Because he looks yeah, like so a fucking lion. Yeah, so it's it's fantasy, which fits with the show. Yeah. All right. So Vincent leaves without saying a word, and Catherine starts to cry. He is. He's he's off to he's off to go take a piss on her clothes or uh, take a shit in the middle of the carpet. <laughs> that's what cats do, isn't it? When when they're annoyed. He's a lion. He's not. A, is that what your cat does? 
Uh, he, he has been known to, yes. Oh, right. <laughs> Later, Vincent returns. I've never regretted what I am until now. How did this happen to you, she asks. He says he doesn't know, but he has ideas. Well, Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion, <laughs> they got real close one night. and That's as good a theory as any. Yeah. In fact, it's better than the one, it, it's, it's better than the one that we talked about in the 2012 remake. Vincent says it's time for her to go back. She pleads with him to tell her it's all a nightmare. It happened, but you're alive, and what you've endured will make you stronger. Ironically, enduring this makes me weaker. I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't know if she's strong enough. Lionel, sorry, Vincent, disagrees. Catherine removes Vincent's hood and takes a proper look at him. This time, Without screaming. She, she's fortified. Drunk? <laughs> yeah, if you like. It was the 80s. So. All right. Drugged, then. Yeah, probably. Probably, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's time, he says. Vincent leads her past some non-speaking extras. They go through caverns <laughs> and really unexplicably large tunnels. Now, some of these look better in the pilot than during the rest of the series because I think the pilot was shot on film. Yeah, that would make sense, yeah. And the, and the series was shot on videotape, I think. It doesn't okay. look as good. Hmm. I, I did get the impression, though, that I was waiting for when... In the montage, when Vincent takes Catherine through the underground world, passing all the people that live there, I was waiting for her to pass someone that... You know, a drunk guy that was trying to sell you his socks or something like that. You love hot people selling socks for some reason. How many podcasts well, it, have you mentioned this? It, it, because it happened to me, Colin. I know. You, you haven't stopped. It's almost like it's the only thing that's happened to you. As long as people realise that I, I wasn't the drunk guy selling my socks. It wasn't me. No, you were the drunk guy buying them. I was the customer. That's right. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've got socks. <laughs> I could do with my socks. I love socks. <laughs> exactly. Yes. The guy's selling socks. Do you have like different sizes? Uh, no, he he only had the one per. Wait, one per socks. That's it. So yeah, he because, sold them. He's done for the well, day. He did, well, he only had they were the socks that obviously he'd taken off his own feet. No, I didn't know that. I didn't realize he was selling his own socks. Yes, yeah, he was barefoot at the time. So he was selling the socks that he was normally he, wearing. He was, and I was terrified. This was at Brixton Tube Station in in. Uh, uh, the early 90s. Yes. And I was terrified. But you still wear them to this day. <laughs> well, they're special. Yeah. Sentimental. Special socks. That's what you call them, your yeah. special socks. My special socks, yes. <laughs> All right. So Vincent leads her to a tunnel that connects to the basement of her apartment building. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that work? Does no one notice in the, her apartment building that there's this weird... Entrance? Yes, uh, that is a, a strange thing that no one questions. Because we can hear people. Ah, no, you can't hear people down there because they're quite a way away from it. And no, you can. Uh, you do find because out... Because he he you hear people and he runs away. Vincent runs off. I think you find later in the episodes that they, they come up with the idea that there is a false wall. Oh, Later in the episode, yes, yes, yes. in the pilot that we're watching right now, <laughs> yes, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yes, all right. 
All right. Okay. I I I, right. I, I capitulate. Yes. So Vincent vanishes and Catherine makes her way back. So now we're at a hospital and Catherine is about to undergo surgery. She's counting backwards and the uh, anaesthetic takes hold. She starts to have a nightmare. She's back in her office, her face scared. Her dad appears to want to know where she went. She can't speak. He tells her to buy a new dress that forces money onto her. I hate this. Oh, why? Because he's shaking your head. I thought I was going wrong, but you hate it. Why? I hate quirky dream sequences. I really do. You'd hate my life. It's just one whole quirky dream sequence. <laughs> I mean, oh, generally, in any show, you hate quirky dream sequences. Yeah, I, I, I hate... Because they always seem... They, they, they always seem a bit cheap-looking and a bit convincing. They always use that, that kind of faux slow motion that you see a lot in fake dream sequences. I just, I just right. don't like it. Although this one does take a, a quite dark and fairly uncomfortable turn towards the end of it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I still don't like yeah. it. Though. You know what I hate about dream mm-hmm. sequences is when people wake up and they sit bolt upright and they're like, ah, ah, ah. has anybody ever woken mm-hmm. from a dream that way? You just open your eyes and you're like, oh, no, you, you don't sit bolt upright and like as if the world has ended. No, you, you wake up and go, oh, yeah. shit, wasn't oh, it? And then dream. go back to sleep. Yeah. Roll over. <laughs> so the dream sequence that you hate continues. The lawyer we see at the beginning appears mm-hmm. and asks if she's been on vacation. And he says, she looks wonderful. Remember, her face is all scared in this dream. She can't speak. Mm-hmm. There's whispering. Our secretary is rude to her. Now she's in a dark alley. A van follows her. She runs. She trips and falls onto the floor of the party. Everybody is laughing at her, stirring down at her. Tom is speaking. He says, what could he do? She showed a lot of promise and then calls her a loser. Faces laughing, gurning above her. Then she looks over and sees Vincent. He nods. He's supporting her emotionally. She smiles back. It, it's the lonely Patty from the previous <laughs> episode. Okay. <laughs> Carry she on. She smiles right. back. Good, it's good. And wakes up from her nightmare. She's in hospital with fresh bandages. She calls out Vincent's name, but it, it is a doctor that answers. And he says she's going to be fine and tells her if there's anything he can do or that she wants to talk about and then let her know. He leaves and she whispers. Read me the last chapter of Great Expectations. It's funny if he hadn't really left and he's like, what? Uh, okay. <laughs> he has to rush out and buy yeah. it. Oh, yeah, because before the, you could just look it up on your phone. You would literally have to go get it. I'm not sure we have that one. We do have Mr. Messy. It's not quite the same, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no. Although, can you imagine Mr. Messy read in Vincent's voice? Once, there was a guy called Mr. Messy. He always leaves his stuff around because he's got the messiest house in the world. He's amazing at getting messy. He has a smile, a hat, 
and is very happy. You already know what Mr. Messy looks like. This is Jake. He is Mr. Messy's friend. One day Jake went to Mr. Messy's house and said, Clean up. Mr. Messy replied, Okay. Whenever Jake would go over to Mr. Messy's house, he would say, Clean up. Mr. Messy got addicted to cleaning. He would then always be clean. Would you be clean? We see Vincent climbing some elevator cables. He flicks his hair like he's in a shampoo commercial. Yeah, that flick. I don't like that flick. No, no, that flick no. is like Bon Jovi type. Yeah, flick, it is, isn't it? it is. Yeah, yeah it's, it is. It's, a, it's irritating. <laughs> if he flicked any harder, his wig would fly yeah. off. Yeah, smoke billows around him. Yeah, don't know why. Why? Why is this a smoky elevator shaft? Who's smoking <laughs> in this elevator shaft? It's the eighties. It's the eighties. Everyone was smoking. Not in so, elevator yeah. shafts. It's, it's... <laughs> it's wafting All up. Right. The elevator <laughs> rises. He climbs onto the roof and looks over New York City. We fade to black. Your secret is safe with me. I would never betray your trust. I'm part of you, Catherine. This is your part of me. Beauty and the Beast. So we fade back in on a shot of New York City, and a caption tells us that it's eight months later. Yeah. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to be a baby or something. Yeah, no, no. Well, that would be nine months later. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know how babies work, Paul. Unless it's premature. <laughs> you are the only one with an actual child. Out the two that, of us. That is true. That is true. Yes. And we cut to the inside of an office, which we we will learn is the district attorney's office. A man named Joe Maxwell is talking to his boss Marina about someone's resume. It's Catherine Chandler's who is sitting in the outer office. Marino seems to think that her credentials are terrific and he asks Joe if he's sure that she wants a job with us. Yeah, because she's like a high-paid corporate lawyer and now she's like slumming it with the criminal law. And she's sitting there looking really uncomfortable as well. I mean, she's kind of out of place, right? Mm-hmm. Joe is unsure, saying that he thinks that she is some rich guy's daughter trying to prove something meaningful to herself. Yeah, because he's just going off a resume. That's right. He also points out to Marino that she was the missing socialite that was in the news a few months ago. Marino tells Joe that we need the extra help. He tells him to put her onto fieldwork and let her prove herself. And Joe calls her into the office. We should point out at this that she has her face is perfect. There's not a single scar or anything. Yes, yeah, she's. I mean, they've worked wonders these doctors. It, it's amazing work for 1985. I mean, maybe it was if you had the money. Yeah. I don't know. It's a... I, th- I think I think it's probably TV, the TV version of what they could do. You know, people accepted yeah, things I... on TV that they wouldn't necessarily be real. Or, or it's the fact that they couldn't have a major star female who had scars. No, and that that translates. Even more, more so today, doesn't it? I mean, look at as we we keep talking about it without talking about it, but the remake, the reboot, or whatever it is, Vincent doesn't even look like Vincent. No, no, that's true. So 
It's still going on today. Later, we cut to a cab pulling up outside a large building. Catherine gets out and goes inside. It appears to be a gym of some kind, but the owner, a Mr Stubbs, doesn't seem to be around. Catherine walks around examining all the equipment. She calls out, is anyone here? Suddenly, light flicks on behind her and a big guy stands there. We know you're here, he tells yeah. her, but you should always know what's coming up behind you. Good advice. Especially if you're in the room. Don't know what you mean. He introduces himself as Isaac Stubbs, the owner. He asks her if she wants to learn how to take care of herself because something bad happened to her and you want to make sure that nothing like that ever happens again. Yep, she agreed to do this show. <laughs> she gets out of it very quickly. He says okay, but that he doesn't teach anything fancy. None of that <sighs> kung fu, egg fu, young stuff. Ah, okay, none of that. that. No, no. <sighs> he teaches New York City street fighting, apparently. You think egg foo would be like making an omelette or something? <laughs> you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. No rules. You use what you've got. What would you use? Well, it depends what I've got. What have you got? Uh, right now, uh, a glass of uh, soft drink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go throw that in your face. Well, it'd be refreshing, I would imagine. It would. Yeah, 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 because it's, it's grape-based. <laughs> is that what it is? So, All right, okay. yeah. uh, uh, I, think, I think everyone knows what we're talking about. And he asks her if yeah. you can see her shoe. She hands it to him. And he yeah. illustrates what he means by using it to slit the throat of a dummy behind him. I mean a, a, a dummy, not, not a, a dummy. A pacifier. Yeah. yeah. Be funny though if he just took the shoe and just sniffed it. <laughs> oh, and gave it back to her. That's what I would have done. It is, yeah. yeah. It definitely would. Back be, in 1985. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, you're a big shoe sniffer, weren't oh, you? Oh, I need mean, for Linda Hamilton in 1985, I'd have sniffed her shoe, yeah. Is that, is that, is that, that too much? Far more <laughs> disgusting. That, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, that's, let's, let's not talk about I'm that. I'm just saying. I think, I think she's right. Yeah, no, you do. Mm -hmm. So there's a restraining order. Only if I'm in the country. It ain't fancy. It ain't pretty. But it works, he says. As long as you've got the stomach for it. When do we start, she asks. We cut to the most 1980s computer room that I think I've ever seen. Staffed by the most 1980s character, computer whiz Edie. Well, it's not like completely 1980s because to be in a wheelchair if it was completely <laughs> 1980s because they love doing that in 1980s shows. Actually, maybe that was 1990s sh shows. They they decided to do that. Oh, I think it was, eight, was it no, 80s. I think it was 80s and 90s, yeah. Edie has some addresses that Kathy asked for and complains that Kathy has her doing all her work for her. Edie teases her a bit about being an uptown socialite before seemingly hitting a bunch of random keys on her computer and bringing up Kathy's file. It's amazing work. It is. It's like, well, that was the thing in the 80s. You just smacked some keys and it brought up everything. I think it's down to the fact that nobody really understood computer. Well, the general public didn't understand computers, did they? Right. It was early days. Yeah. yeah. That, that's trust me, Paul. That's not one of the things they have problems with this show about. <laughs> I know. I know. I completely <laughs> believe you. I believe you, Colin. It's lack um, of computer literacy is not a, not an issue. I know. I know you're not going to bring that up at the end. No. She's she's taken aback when she reads about her abduction. And a picture of her scarred face appears on the screen. Edie tells Kathy she's sorry, but Kathy tells her not to worry. 
it's an old picture. Yeah, it's a past. So two things here, like we said, it, it this is the point where it did actually hit me what a remarkable job the surgeons did for in 1985. Amazing job, but there will be an issue about this in a bit. I know what you're going to say, and I've got an answer for it. So, <laughs> Of course you have. I do, yes. So we cut to below, and Father is discussing Kathy with Vincent. He's of the opinion that she'll only bring him unhappiness. Then I'll be unhappy, Vincent angrily replies. Vincent confides in Father that he is somehow reconnected to her. He can sense what she's feeling, know when she's happy, sad, afraid. When she's having a poop. <laughs> so you went, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did this, this connection occur? Ah, well, this is it. Right, so you can take this on a couple of levels, I think, mm-hmm. because it's never really explained in the show. Oh, really? There's so a lot are of they, that. Yeah, are they simply emotionally connected through a deep understanding that they've shared, or is it a more physical, grounded thing? Personally, I think it's another one of those things that, that is best left up in the air. I don't think you need an okay. answer to it, you know. But No, no, don't need answers, do we, Paul? <laughs> Never need answers. Father does mention that his empathic powers have been heightened by his love for Catherine. And honestly, if that's all we get, I'm okay with that. Right, that's the only explanation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he begs Vincent not to let his connection destroy him, but Vincent doesn't think he has a choice. We cut back to Edie and Kathy in the computer room. She asks for help, explaining that a woman was attacked by mistake and wants to know if the attackers ever went after the real intended victim. Edie punches in some keys, randomly, it looks like, <laughs> and a few cases come up. They narrow the search by Kathy remembering the van. The intended victim's name is Carol. Which one of the attackers mistakenly called her and brings up various mugshots. It's amazing work for a 1985 computer, you have to say. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They cycle through until they settle on a pick that's similar to Kathy, although not. No, I would never have thought no. that was the same person. No, no. Basically, they picked up the first woman that walks out of that building, didn't they? Apparently, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Vincent had walked out, they would have got in. <laughs> well, he has a her for it. Let's face it. Yeah. So they pull the file. Later, Kathy goes to a rundown apartment block to see Carol, who was in the picture. Carol doesn't want anything to do with the DA's office. But Kathy explains her circumstances and shows her the one scar that she still has near her ear. Well, did the, in, the, in the hospital, they, they managed to remove all of her scars. And then afterwards, when the nurse was like looking, they went, Oh, shit. We missed this one. Her was covering up at the time. Oh, what do we do? Just just put her back. We'll just just <laughs> just pretend we didn't see it. So well, how did they get why did they get rid of all the ones on her face but miss that one? Well, in a later episode, not too far from this one in the first season, we find out that she kept it on purpose as a reminder of where she came from. Of where her new life started. Rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) Absolute rubbish. She didn't keep any of the ones that were visible, did she? She kept the one that was right near her ear that she could hide with her hair. Yeah. 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 
that always seems a bit of a stretch for me as well, but... Okay. But Carol screams for her to go away, frightened, and slams the door. Kathy pushes her card under the door and asks her to call her if she wants to talk. Right. We, we cut to Kathy and Isaac sparring in the gym. He has her in a hole, telling her that she can't do nothing. But Kathy yeah. fights back, kicking and biting, until she gets Isaac on the ground and is about to brain him with a baseball bat. He screams, hold it! He points at her, saying, is that you? That was a bit camp, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, is that you? She's elated at her newfound strength, and they both laugh. Later, Kathy's boyfriend is taking her back to her apartment after a night out. He offers to walk her up, but she declines. She's been trying to tell him all night about how important her new work is, but he just hasn't been listening. She kisses him goodnight. He gets a little bit gropy and a little bit forceful, but she tells him sternly, Good night. She's strong now. Yeah. Inside her apartment, Kathy gets ready for bed, and she's going through some case files. She hears a noise on the balcony. She takes a gun from the nightstand and goes to investigate. On her balcony, she finds a book has been left for her. It's Great Expectations. Great. It's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yes. It is very nice. Also, we're, we're perfectly happy that she just happens to have a gun in her. Yeah, but it's also showing that she probably would never have had a gun before all this happened to her. Oh, she's bought it since? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay. The gun does come into play quite a lot in the series. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I wish I had one right now. (laughs) Standing in the corner is Vincent. They embrace. He apologises for frightening her, but she's glad to see him. He suddenly notices that her face has been fixed. The scars are gone. He's amazed. Aren't we all? Yeah, he's like, wow, that's that's um, almost unbelievable. I know. It's like they won't never be able to do that. And oh, why did they miss that one? <laughs> well, he can't see that one. Hers and remember. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This instantly makes him. Do you, do you imagine when he, he's going to kiss her and he pushes her hair back and he's like, oh, um, do you know that they uh, <laughs> they didn't do this one? <laughs> this instantly makes him regret coming to her. I guess that with her beauty restored, it only serves as a reminder to him of the differences between them both. It is. It's like when you look at those Kylie Minogue pictures. But she calms him and they talk. She she about her work, about how difficult it's been, about how she's learning to be strong. <laughs> and he's like, oh, to be, be, be oh, like, oh, my God. Talk about your work. People I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm <laughs> about your job. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> you know, when you ask me about my life and I go, it's okay. <laughs> That's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't expect he didn't expect it back, did he? No, no, no. I didn't want the full details. <laughs> he confesses that he can feel everything that she feels, that they have an empathic link, almost as if they are one. So... She's having like a poop or something. Yeah, pushing it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's got stomach trouble. Yeah. He's on the shitter as well. He's like, yeah. it's like, oh, I wish she hadn't had that curry the other night. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine it, yeah. it, it's, it worked both in a good way 
and in a bad way. That that's life, though. That's the life of two lovers. You take the good and the bad. That's true love, right? If you say so. You take the uh, joy, and you take the diarrhea. You do a lot of it as well. He then tells her <laughs> that he came to see her for one last time. I've seen your world. There's no place in it for me, he says. I know what I am. Your world is filled with frightened people, and I remind them of what they're most afraid of. The smell of cat poo. No. No, that's not right. <laughs> Catnip. Catnip. Their aloneness. I have to begin to forget, he says. How do you begin to forget? Well, you... Um, um, what was the question? <laughs> Very good, yes. Very good, yeah. Excellent, excellent. For, forget me, asks Catherine. He shakes his head. I'll never forget you, he says. But I must forget the dream of being part of you. Mm. He's like, I'll, I'll never forget you, Carol. Wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, right? Catherine, sorry, sorry. Easy mistake. Well, I mean, Kathy. Yeah, Carol's Carol the one does that, look they, like that they were supposed to yeah. attack. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's what. That's what yeah. he knew he that. Because he tried it on with Carol he earlier. Didn't get anywhere. No. Nope. He tells her to find someone, someone to be happy with. He goes to leave, but she asks him to stay at least until dawn, and they sit together and they finish their book. Then she gets a bottle of water <laughs> and he plays with it. <laughs> this is this is this is beautiful stuff, God. Beautiful stuff. Fuck off. <laughs> that could be... This, This, by the way, is what annoys me about this show. Is it? Yeah, I'm going to talk okay, about it at man. the end. The next day, Kathy goes into work and finds Carol is waiting for her. She's sorry for what the men did to Catherine, and Carol explains that she's been working for an escort service, high-end clientele, and that the man running it had been using the service to shake down his customers. Not literally shake them down. I probably did if they didn't pay up or anything. Loose change. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Hmm. Or, or maybe that was their thing. They like to be shaken. But it takes all sorts. It does, yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, you like to be shaken. It's like, I like to be shaken. Not stirred. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of those. Yeah. Carol wouldn't go along with it, and the man was afraid that Carol would go to the police. Carol gives Kathy the names of the men that attacked her, and they pull the mugshots. Warrants of arrest are issued, including for the owner, a man named Belmont. Kathy sends Carol to a safe house. But as Carol is taken out, a man is watching in a lobby. A man with a tattoo on his arm. Mm. How long was that guy in the, the lobby for? <laughs> Days. <laughs> yeah, was, he, was he there before she arrived? Did he follow her? Yeah. If he followed her, why didn't he get her before she'd gone to the see the yeah. Uh, yeah. district yeah. attorney people? Like, yeah. Because he just stood there. He's like, oh, now th that's, a, that's a happy coincidence. You're touching on what I will mention in my summary about things I don't like about this. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It's not all good. It's not all roses. Don't you worry. I'm surprised. Yeah. Later, Kathy arrives at the safe house with supplies, but all is suspiciously quiet. Kathy goes to look for Carol, finding her dead on the floor. Suddenly, the two mm. attackers appear and tell Kathy that she's next. 
This, uh... Which is... Which, why don't you just kill her? Uh, just don't announce... Just shoot her. presence. Just shoot her. Yeah. Yeah. Just get it on with. You've got to say that this safe house wasn't very safe, was it? Oh, no. Everybody knows where it <laughs> exactly. is. Exactly. Kathy grabs a nearby lampstand and knocks the two men over <laughs> in a very Frank Spencer kind of way as well. Yeah, yeah. it is. There's worse later. There is. We cut to Vincent reading. His head suddenly snaps up. Something is wrong. <gasps> He's left the oven on. Get used to the shot, because this is a shot they use many, many times <laughs> in this show. Ev- I imagine every episode. Every episode that she's in peril at the end, and there's a lot of those, yeah, yes. Yeah, which is, which is every episode, yeah. let's be it, honest. It, it does get less towards mid-second season When, when she's dead. No, no, <laughs> seriously, mid-second season onwards, they, they tend to lose the, the, the damsel in distress aspect of it. Right, right. But yeah, that, that is a problem. Um, Catherine is running down the stairs when the way is blocked by two more men coming up. Vincent is running through the tunnels. You say block him, but the guy is clearly waiting for her to knock him over. Mm-hmm. In the scene, he stood like... You know in, in films, in old films, when they're waiting for a punch and it cuts to them and they're stood waiting for the punch in the stomach and they're not doing anything and the person just punches them. It's like one of those scenes. It is, it is, yeah. I don't think any of this stuff works particularly well, but we'll talk about that. Catherine locks herself in a room as the men search for her. She looks around for something to use as a weapon, remembering Isaac's training, I would imagine, at this point. Yes, I would hope so, yeah. That's what she'd been going there for. Why is it a waste of money? Unfortunately, suddenly she knocks something over and the men hear her. Mm, clumsy. clumsy. They smash through the door. And here we get we cut to the worst shot of the show as Vincent somehow manages to cling onto the top of a New York subway carriage as it's speeding through the underground. Let's hope it's going the right way. He's like, oh, oh my God, I'm in Harlem. <laughs> uh, how do I get back? <laughs> Where am I? The, the thing is, I remember at the time reading about this and everyone pointed out that there isn't enough of a gap between the roof of the carriage and the tunnel for him to do this in reality. And that's your problem with the show. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, I that's know. the thing people are picking up. But it, it is a terrible, also a terrible shot. At every station, people are stood there going, "There's a tiger." Wait, <laughs> is it a tiger? Might have been a lion. I could always get confused. There's a lion on top of that car. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. But unfortunately, it's a shot that they use a lot in the series. Yeah, and it, it, it oh, is a terrible yeah. green screen shot. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it's like the the again the Battlestar Galactica yeah. of the Viper leaving. It is, yeah, it is. Every week. So back at the house, Catherine nearly manages to escape, pushing over one of her attackers. But as she tries to step over him, he grabs her ankle and falls. They struggle until the two the other two men come down the stairs. One of them crouches down in front of her, pointing a gun in her face. Say good night, he tells her. Just sure. Yeah. It- it, it does come across like one of those fight scenes where the script went, fight scene? Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> and then they just went, oh, how are we going to do this? I think, I think it's, it's, it's a case of we need to expand it until it, it's illogically, it doesn't make any sense, just so that we can have that moment where what happens next happens. You know, just right. let's drag it out as much as we can. So suddenly we hear a low growling noise. That was my stomach. I was hungry. 
at this point. You, you can eat soon. Vincent okay. smashes through the door, growling and snarling. He slashes away at the attackers, and Kathy watches in horror as he savages them. So he doesn't really know what's going on. He just knows that she's in trouble, and then he brutalizes and murders these <laughs> he people. But he's acting on instinct, isn't he? But he reads Charles Dickens, so it's okay. But it's not okay, is it? Because he suddenly realizes that he's being watched, and he turns away in shame. Because he's allowed his baser animal instincts to overpower him because he felt that Catherine was in danger. So he's ashamed of what right. he's done. Well, you would be. He's just killed he people. He has just killed people. And that is a theme that, that does play out later in the series. I mean, shame is more to do with, like, pissing on the rug. <laughs> I'm sure he's done that Murdering as well. people is a little more extreme. <laughs> I'm sure he's done that as well. But what I'm saying is it makes perfect yeah. sense that he's, he's, he's felt that she's in danger and he's just reacted. And then suddenly he's, he's caught himself and seen the look in her eyes and that's brought him back. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I, I only kill bad people. I mean, I decide who's bad. Well, yeah. So, you know, stay, stay in my good books, love. <laughs> well, there is, that does come up later as well. So. <laughs> I'm only saying it. I'm only telling you how it is. So, you know. <laughs> anyway, Kathy takes his hand and he leads her down back into the tunnels. Later, the police are mopping up the bodies, wondering just what the hell did this. It looks like they were mauled by a lion. They find the entrance to a tunnel. There's a lot of strange things going on in this city, says the detective. Mm -hmm. Even stranger things going on underneath it. I do think that's a great line for a poster. Strange things going on underneath no, it. No, there's a lot of strange things going on in this city and even stranger things going on underneath it. It's a great tagline. It's a bit long for a poster, Paul. What are you, what are you writing a script? <laughs> oh, I do apologise. What size of this poster? Is, it, is that it? Just text on the poster? No pictures? Well, who knows these days? You're whizzing past on your subway train going, there's some... <laughs> <laughs> don't, know, don't, don't know what well, that said. You, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have time for it today because you'd have to have a massive face of the lead actor on the poster, wouldn't you? So like, wouldn't yeah, yeah, the text, yeah. would you? Who's that? No. I don't know what happened here. He says, but I'm gonna find out. Now I wonder whether this is something that they try to set up, but they ultimately never followed through with because we never see this uh, this detective again. Uh, meanwhile, the other guys around him go like, "Well, do that on your own." <laughs> <laughs> people people are ripped apart there's a giant hole in this yeah. wall I don't want to be dealing probably with this probably best we don't look into it yeah give it a I miss. wonder whether they didn't go down this route because it was a little bit too much like Incredible Hulk isn't it you know the reporter was always looking for him every week yeah, right kind of a similar thing isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah later Catherine tells Vincent that she hose 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 she hosted yeah. down because, you know, he's filthy. He's got blood and guts all over him. Later, Catherine tells Vincent that she owes him her life. But Vincent tells her that she owes him nothing. That they're now connected. And wherever she goes, he will be there in spirit. He tells her goodbye, but she embraces him, saying, But no. Wasn't quite as sleazy mm -hmm. as that, but... They part, yeah. pausing to exchange one last glance. And we fade out. And that's the end of Beauty and the Beast. <sighs> we got there in the end. We did, yeah. So, Paul, 
What did you think of Beauty and the Beast? <sighs> Strap in. So, as I, as I stated right at the beginning of the episode, I do have a sentimental history with this show, going all the way back to when it first aired, in the ni- and all the way through into the 90s. But I'm also not blind to its shortcomings, either, surprisingly. And, and I'll start with what I didn't like about this pilot. I think the second half is less interesting than the first. The stuff in the tunnels was the most intriguing aspect of the story. And that is the part that leaves you wanting more. The crime stuff, I felt, was a bit unnecessary. And to be honest, the best episodes of the show tended to be the ones that left all that out. The damsel in distress aspect with Vincent running to save her is also something that gets a little tiring. And it feels a bit tacked on in this episode. Like, they just needed to find a way to get a bit of action into the episode. Mm. We don't really get a sense of who anyone else is in this episode either, other than Kathy, Vincent and Father. But, but again, that is something that the show fixes later, particularly with Joe. But in this episode, no, we don't know who anyone else is. I do think that Edie must have felt like a terrible character even back then. But that's the bad stuff. I think the set design of the tunnels looks beautiful. And I think the whole thing looks very cinematic. I think the performances are great. I think Perlman and Hamilton really have a chemistry. And I think it's one of those rare instances that we've talked about before where the leads of a show seem to get their characters right from the moment that they're on screen. I think it was a show that tried to do different things right from the very beginning, including poetry, classic classic literature, and, and it had episodes that went beyond police procedural stuff and superhero type stuff. It, it, it went beyond that. We had episodes were dealing with drugs. We had episodes. Um, we had an episode w- uh, dealing with deaf deafness, and 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 the whole episode was in sign language. So they tried to do different things. I think the music. I I like the music. I know you don't, but I do. <laughs> it's not music. It's just uh, noise. looking at the series as a whole. It had episodes that pushed TV boundaries. I think the first two seasons are the best, but even the third, dealing with Vincent looking for his child, I think that still had a lot to offer. And honestly, it is a show that I do dip dip into every so often, even now when I'm in the mood. So for me, and you knew I was going to say this, it's a hit. It's a definite hit for me. I I, I love Beauty and the Beast. I think it's great. So go on, tell me why I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. You you like okay. it. That's fine. One aspect that really annoys me about this show is that it's how it takes itself so mm-hmm. seriously and its fans do as well, you included, because whenever anyone and whenever I say anything negative about it, it's almost like, oh, well, you don't <laughs> understand it because it's so deep and it's not. <laughs> I never said it was deep. I never There's said an it article in which... Ron Perlman reveals that he was offered countless advertising mm-hmm. deals as Vincent, but his response was always, no, because Vincent would never diminish himself in that way. Get over yourself, mate. It's just Knight Rider with a lion. <laughs> that is a great, that is a great uh, um, description, Knight Rider with a lion. I like that. Yeah, because Catherine Chandler investigates crimes with the help of a partner that she loves but it's a love never consummated because he's 80% feline. 
at the end of every episode, she gets in trouble, and this partner comes to her rescue. Michael Knight investigates crimes with the help of a partner that he loves, but it's a love never consummated because it's 80% trans am. <laughs> At the end of every episode, he gets in trouble and this partner comes to the rescue. It's just less poetry in Knight Rider, more country rock. <laughs> I, ne- I never thought of it that way, Colin, I have to say. <laughs> there, you, there you go. I, 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 I agree, production design... Very nice. Uh, illogical. Don't understand why mm-hmm. there's all those books. All that lighting. Fire hazard. But we'll ignore that. I, don't, I just don't get it. I just don't feel anything mm-hmm. for Lion-O. Don't really like Catherine's character. Mm-hmm. I feel like the poetry is like... A, a, it's the poetry of a 13-year-old girl. It's very superficial. <laughs> It's like someone who's never seen Shakespeare mm-hmm. or anything like that in their life. And they're like, oh, this is deep and meaningful. It's not. Okay. And it, it just does nothing for me whatsoever. So for me, it's a big miss. Oh, another uh, split decision there. Yeah, each split decision, we grow further apart, Paul. I know, I know. Well, you can't you can't say that about this because we've been far apart on this for about thirty five years now, Colin. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no this this isn't a surprise for neither of us, right? Yeah, I I hated it from the pilot episode, and you loved it from the pilot episode, and we stirred at each other and went, "You're a moron." No, you're a moron. <laughs> but you know, it, it it makes us who we are. It does, yeah. Yeah. Seriously, I don't have a problem that you don't like this show. And I, 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 everything that you've said, I can understand. And I think I'd probably feel the same way if it didn't have such a, uh, if it didn't mean so much to me because of other things. I can see why you don't get it. And maybe I wouldn't get it if I didn't have these personal connections to it. I'm sure you have shows or movies that, that you feel the same about that I don't. It is just a personal thing. So I get it completely. Yeah. You're not wrong and I'm not right. It's just personal taste. That was quite diplomatic, wasn't it? <laughs> it was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I, and I like the fact that you enjoy this show. Oh, of course you do, because it give, it's given you 35 years worth of material to uh, <laughs> no. beat me down with. I like uh, it. I like it because it, I like the fact that you enjoy this show because it makes you more of an individual than what you seem to be. <laughs> I like the way you did that. Pick, pick that, yeah. pick, yeah, <laughs> pick yeah. that apart. <laughs> <laughs> and that draws this episode to a close. Please rate and review us wherever you download your podcast because that really helps spread the madness. Thank you to our current Patreon sponsors who help keep our old episodes alive. And that's goodbye from me. And that's a goodbye from me.